This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Special guest tonight, James Montefusco. All right, folks, you can listen to our show live on WCWPSports.org. Let's get right into things here. Now, the New York Mets are 5-1. and one. This score just in a little over an hour ago. The Mets have defeated their arch-nemesis rival in the NL East, the Washington Nationals, 8-2. to two. And the Mets are now 5-1 and one after taking a series against the Phillies earlier in the week, 2 to nothing. One week into the season, 5-1 is a pretty good start, Tom. Oh, it absolutely is, and that's the way you start the series against the Nationals because it's on the road, first of all. Um, you have DeGrom versus Strasburg, which I thought was going to be more of a uh, pitching duel than um, you know the Mets lighting Strasburg up, which they did. Good for the Mets because this is how you want to start the season. You know, Let the Nationals know that the Mets mean business, mm-hmm. and it showed that they did today. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a great game today. It's The Nationals were up early, I believe. It was one nothing. one nothing. Yeah. I believe in the second inning, and then the Mets tied it at 1, and then Washington went up 2-1, to one, and then the Mets just started storming. A couple yeah. of solo shots by Ioannis Cespedes, his third dinger of the season, and then Michael Conforto. Back in the lineup today as well. Jose Reyes made a god awful throw to the plate um, that should have squashed that run. I mean, the runner, I think it was Rendon, um, came in and Reyes' throw to the plate was so far off that it was just, I mean, oh my God. I mean, Pluecki had to like stretch to to try and get the guy in. Ah, it was it it was an awful throw. Mm And, James, uh, yeah, I'll get to your thoughts in just a moment. But, Tommy, just to finish that thought off, defensively, ca- the catching position defensively so far has been a lingering concern for the Mets. It's going to be. You yeah. know, it's going to be throughout the season. The Mets don't have – I mean, I kind of like Ploiecki, um so far ahead of Darno. I mean, if, if I had to pick one, I, I would like Ploiecki to be the uh, everyday uh, catcher, but – even though Darno hit a home run in the uh, Cardinal series, I, I would pick Pulaski. But yeah, catcher is going to be a concern. James, uh, overall good by the Mets today. Very happy. I mean, five and one, great start to the season. Um, no complaints. I love seeing Michael Conforto back on the field, especially after his injury. Considering they were saying May first, I believe, and now he's back nearly a whole month earlier. Um, Again, the catching position, like you guys said, I feel like it's just gonna it's gonna be a big concern later in the season when it's getting warmer out and guys are getting tired and need days off. If you look at the schedule, they're off Monday because of snow, and then they're off tomorrow. But I think once the season starts to kick in and they're playing back to back to back, I think unfortunately we'll see the catching being one of the bigger areas of concern for the team. Yeah, well, I think you're right. And you know what, Tom, we, you and I spoke last night, and I told you 
that um, I wasn't a big fan of Conforto starting. You know, or not not starting. You didn't want him rush back. I didn't want him rush back. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, he let off today, strikeout. Uh, next at bat, grounded into a double play. His third at bat, opposite field homer, which they had to check out, but it was obviously a home run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the next the Mets need to be careful with him. They they don't need to play him every day. Uh, I like what Callaway's doing so far with a lot of the players, you know, of rotating it around because, um, you know, not everyone's playing every day except for like Cespedes and Bruce and, you know, some of the guys are playing every day, but not everyone is playing every day. Yeah. I think they need to keep that uh, process up of, as far as, you know, let's everyone get some playing time. Right. Keep it going. I like that a lot, actually. And Conforto and Nimmo and Lagares have been playing well so far. So let's not that, let them get cold on the bench. You know, like, know, don't let them get cold. Keep them playing. And the Mets hit three home runs today. Let's not forget. And really, what broke the game open was the Mets were up four to two, and then Jay Bruce hits the grand slam, which realistically decided the game. I mean, it, it, basically there was no chance for Washington to come back. Uh, and pretty sure Trey Turner got ejected. In this game, there's a lot of issues with uh, strike calls today from the umpire, home plate umpire Doug Edding, and guys weren't happy. You know, the, the Mets scored those four runs in the seventh inning, but um, prior to that, the Nationals had the bases loaded, nobody out. Jacob Degrom gets out of the jam, and a great sign if you're Jacob Degrom. Uh, you know, he pitched, he did get some help from his defense, but um, overall, in six innings of work, just one run. Four hits. He did have the three walks, but five strikeouts, and you know, producing ground balls today. Uh, Jay Bruce with that snow cone catch for the first out, <laughs> throwing it right back into home. Jose Reyes with a nice snag. Uh, you know, these are all things that you know you're really happy about. And then the last three innings of the game, the bullpen comes in. You have Blevins, Zellman, Robles, Lugo, and they all pitched well. They only gave up two hits as a unit combined. All four of those guys. Uh, Robles struck out the side. Blevins struck out the two batters he faced. Zellman struck out the one batter he faced. This bullpen is pretty good. Not for nothing, this bullpen is averaging is averaging right now over 14 strikeouts per nine innings, and it's a small sample, you know. But they are excelling at their jobs right now. Yeah, and if they could produce. You know, let's say three quarters of what they're doing right now throughout the whole season, the Mets are going to be in a pretty good spot. Mm-hmm. I agree. The bullpen has shown that they're able. I mean, we have the guys in the pen. We got Gazelman in the pen, which unfortunately he wasn't able to make the starting roster. But to see him come out of the pen, he's going to be a good long man in case, like, what happened to Syndergaard the other day where he only went four innings. You know, he could be a good long-distance man. And then there's just something about that bullpen that's showing that they're here to stay and they could help the team tremendously later this season. That's a really good point because Mm -hmm. uh, Syndergaard, you know, in his first two starts, he hasn't been dominant. No. He hasn't been dominant. He struggled, actually. Threw almost 100 pitches in four innings. 92 so that's a pitches very good point. through yeah. four innings. That's Yikes. a lot of pitches. Okay, he's getting to getting his strikeouts, but you know, guys are uh, making him work. Three home runs he's given up in two starts. 
there. Yep. We were here on opening day last week. We were. And uh, so was Mark Sanger as well. Where was Mark now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. And um, and I wasn't overly impressed with Syndergaard's initial start. And it's one start. And now it's two. Right. Where I mean, he, he needs to get – and they look, haven't – it's not like it's July when it's like they're warm and loose and, you know, letting it fly. I just think eh, it's early in the season. And, Tommy, you know – to be fair, yeah, three home runs and two starts, but the one on opening day against Mol- against Molina, that was in Syndergaard, as we talked on the phone last night. Right. Molina just crushed that. That was inside. That, that was a good That was a great hit pitch. by Molina. Yeah, you're right Molina about that. just cranked it out. He did. Um, but realistically here, the Mets are looking good, uh, despite Syndergaard. Um, I mean, he, record-wise, he is 1-0, but his ERA is a little bit up there. Um, now Wednesday, his start, the Mets beat the Phillies 4-2. And one thing about that game, a different change this year, we're going to see a little bit in baseball. Not really a change, but um, something different. MLB Live on Facebook. And there's going to be 20 games broadcasted on Facebook Live. So that, uh, if I'm doing this correctly, it's probably going to be one game a week for the first 20 weeks of the season. And the Mets and Phillies just so happen to be the first game, but... The, the Mets are done. They don't have to worry about that again. But um, what do you guys think of this new feature? Um, I don't like it, to be honest with you. I mean, I understand what probably they're thinking behind it. They're drawing more fans into the sport. But at the same time, it just limits the amount of people that are seeing that game. Yeah. I, I talked to my boss the other day. I'm like, oh, by the way, the Met game's on Facebook. He's like, when it's on, you better be at work. And it just happened to be the same day. And he's like, okay, but at the like, it to me it doesn't make sense because it's limiting its viewers. Mm-hmm. If you look at the older generation, they may not have Facebook, so they're missing a, a game. Um, even it, that score, that that score on the side mm-hmm. that took up like half the screen yeah. on your phone. No, agreed. So trying to watch it, it's I I think I see what they're trying to do, but I don't like it. Now. Gearing off more towards that, oh, oh. Um, unless you had something to say about yeah. it. On what for, me per, about for, for me personally, I was at work yesterday. So if I'm at work, I just put the Mets on the radio. So it didn't affect me at all. Right. And as far as this Facebook thing goes, um, this, you know, Mets fans were in uproar, or I'm not sure if it was an uproar. Yeah. It's one game. It's just one game, and right. it's a day game in the middle of the week. So I don't find it to be a big problem. And for the MLB, it's all a money grab. Right. You know, and, and they're not taking away. It's just going to be Wednesday games or day games. So, you know, if you're a fan of the team and they're just taking away games from, um, you know, like teams that aren't going to be on the major markets, like not going to be on ESPN or Fox. Yeah. So the Philadelphia fans, they're going to get hit. Mm-hmm. But who cares? Look, who my cares? thing is this. Now that, silly, silly. now that you mention it, I do have two things to say about it. One... Again, James said, what if you don't have Facebook? You know, just tune in on the radio. You know, but if you want to visually see the game, you can't unless you have that uh, social media platform, too. Look, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but get a good play-by-play guy. And the Mets have them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I didn't hear the uh, Facebook play-by-play. No good? Yeah, I mean. I I know um, Cliff Floyd was part of it. Anybody else who was? 
I don't I don't remember who the guys were. I know Cliff Floyd was on the team, but um, yeah, I don't remember much. I kind of just I turned the volume off the game and just watched <laughs> it. To be honest, I did the same time. I yeah. I maybe put it on for at least a minute, and I'm like, I can't listen to these guys. Yeah. Now we're talking about the Mets. Yes, this is a five and one team one week into the season, but you know there are a couple of concerns. Um, well, before today, at least, Cespedes was shining, but Bruce was struggling. This was a much-needed performance for Jay Bruce today. Really, his coming-out party for the season so far. Uh, he came into today with just one RBI on the season, and that grand slam really uplifted his numbers. His first at-bat, he almost hit uh, his first home run, I mean, of the day. He had a bomb to left center. He did. In his first at-bat, so it, he, maybe he's coming out of it. Yeah. So that'd be a good sign for the Mets. Yeah. Uh, James, now, this question I have for you. Um, Michael Conforto returned today in the lineup. And with him being back, two questions. Do you think he was rushed back? And B, or number two, I should say, how will the outfield look with Scooter back? So for the first one, I feel he was rushed back a little. Um, I was happy to see him on the field playing, hitting doing all that good stuff, especially right. with this home run. It showed that he looks like he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Now, do you play him every day or play him every other day? Right. That's the question. We'll see if his shoulder can actually hold up to the injury he had. Um, to answer your second question is that it just has a very good problem for this team right. because you know your left fielder and your right fielder. You know those probably aren't going to change mm-hmm. unless Cespedes gets injured, Bruce gets injured, or they just need a day off. The way Nimmo was playing, he has shown that he can fill in, fill in yeah. if he needs. Um, I like the way he. I just like how he is. Even mm-hmm. though if he's not playing, they take a shot over him at the bench. He's always smiling. If he's even just coming in for a pitch hit, he's always smiling. You know, he mm-hmm. has positive attitude for Lagaris. I mean, I understand why they put him in for defensive end side. Right. But he just needs to get that back on, or he's either going to be traded, right. sent down, or just sat. Now, well, Tommy, yes. To, to his point, I, I think um, that's a great reason why not to rush back and forth, because I think uh, Nimmo and uh, Lagaris have played well enough mm-hmm. to let the Mets, you know, be afforded to let Conforto, yep. you know, get, get some more rest. And they should not. Okay, Conforto, you're everyday center fielder. You know, the, I mean, that was a good point you made. Um, so I think, mm-hmm. I think um, Conforto needs to bide his time and take what he gets, and not be. You know, don't don't expect to play every day because the other two guys are playing well enough to well, play every day. Also, look, Conforto yep. score. You have a lot of depth in the outfield now. You have five quality guys, four to five guys that can that can play that that can play for you now. Conforto leading off today had the two RBIs, the one walk, and he scored two runs, and the home run. Obviously, realistically, this was against Steven Strasburg, Ooh, which yeah. is really this wasn't like it was against some you know your your average everyday pitcher. I mean, you're getting, you're looking at Strasburg's line over six innings, four runs, five hits, eight strikeouts, but four runs for Strasburg. That's a lot. Earned. And the Mets played, as Heavy Rose said earlier, the Mets played the role of the villains today and spoiled the Nationals' uh, home day opener. And you know, with the week that was for the Mets, they won on Thursday, then they won again on Saturday. So Syndergaard and Degrom 
helped the Mets to mm-hmm. victory in their two starts. Mats and the Bats, they fell asleep on Easter Sunday. Um, then you had the off day due to the rainout. Mats got hosed. I know you yeah. like Mats. I do like Mats, but Mats, I was watching that game before I left my aunt's uh, for Easter Sunday. Mats was getting hosed by the umpires. Yeah. He, he, I'm telling you, there, there were, a, I mean, he was getting, even the uh, announcers were saying it. It was like, uh, um, and it's the umpire that's notorious for being, or having a, a tight strike zone. So, uh, yeah. you know what? I, I don't think Matt's pitched terrible mm-hmm. in my eyes. Stat-wise, he didn't pitch great. But mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I think he's going to be okay. As long as he's healthy. Right. That's his problem. Now, remember the Mets, health. the Mets had the off day on Friday. Then they got rained out Monday. And that game against the Phillies will be Snowed rescheduled. Out. Snowed out. <laughs> Thank you for the correction. Um, that game will be rescheduled July 9th. Um, against the Phillies, then they swept the series against the Phillies two two to nothing. Look, Matt Harvey looked good. The five innings that he pitched, he only gave up one hit. He looked really sharp. And we're gonna hold that thought, and we'll get back to the dark night and recap the New York Mets first week of the season when we come back. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara, James Montefusco, our special guest tonight here in the studio. Just like to let you folks know that you can listen to our show on the WCWP radio app on your phone. You could also tune in at WCWPSports.org, or you can listen to us when our podcast goes up live tomorrow on Pinecast, Apple Podcasts, slash iTunes, Google Play, and Pocket Cast. And if you have me or Tommy Mack as a friend on Facebook, Facebook Live is your go-to item tonight. Now, we were just discussing the Mets. They are 5-1 and one through six games. Um, before we even get into this next segment, can this success last? I think it can. And uh, just before we uh, broke, uh, you spoke about Matt Harvey. and Sure did. I, I, I think the, the success can last. And I really liked what uh, Callaway did with Harvey by taking him out after five innings uh, because he had a rough season last year, Harvey did. So I think they did a good job, or he did a good job, of taking him out. You had a good outing, five innings, one hit. I forget the number of Ks. But you know what? He didn't get the win, but it doesn't matter because it was a positive outing. And... I don't know. I, I'm I'm really feeling good about Callaway as far as how he's excuse me um, using his pitchers and rotating the lineup around. Tommy, the number of strikeouts was five for Matt Harvey. Right. I believe he pitched on Tuesday. Correct. I, so, I, I yeah. want to say yeah. That's that was the first game of the yeah. Philly series. Um, James, now you had something important to bring up this segment that you wanted to talk about the Mets. But before I get to that, I just wanted to say one thing. Look, we talked about their bullpen the last segment. Lugo and Zellman, two potential fill-in starters, long relief guys. I know you brought this up on your Twitter or something. Lugo looked really good. Um, He did. I won that first time. He came out. And my question is... Can this continue? It sure can, and I think we'll find out. If they can take two out of three against the Nationals at Nationals Park, the Mets are in really good shape moving forward. 
Uh, yeah, they they're looking good. I was actually at one of the game Saturday's game during the day um, for their weekend opener, and there was something just about that atmosphere. I don't know if it was opening week, opening weekend, um, but there was something either with the coaches, with the staff, since we got all new staff, all new coaches, pretty much. And the fans, they, there was something special I felt in that stadium. I don't know if it was just because it was opening weekend or not, but right. they, they, I felt something that there may be, it may be 2015 all over again, I felt. With the positive end. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with the very positive end. It's a long season, guys. Top to bottom on paper, the Mets have a very good and deep roster this season. Now, the one question is can they stay healthy? And I think this is something we're going to find out. As we know, Swarzak is headed to the DL. Don't really think this affects them all that much. Um, the bullpens looked fine. Uh, Conforto's return. Do we know who got sent down in favor of Conforto today? Uh, I, I heard the name, but it's a name that we're not going to even was be it worried about. Philip Evans, maybe? Yes, that's yeah, who it was. He was the third catcher on the roster. So, As we were actually talking about him last week, Tommy, Philip Evans. Um, with Evans down now, he was the third catcher on the mm-hmm. roster. Callaway's clearly brought up he is not afraid to pinch hit catchers in any situation. And in the event of an emergency, he has disposed Darno and Ploiecki already in the game. Todd Frazier would be the emergency third catcher. I think Todd Frazier would love it. Speaking of catchers, <laughs> Callaway has made several good decisions so far as the manager for the Mets. Really nothing of uh, poor note to point out yet. He started Ploiecki today. Over Travis Darno against Strasburg, he thought Ploiecki would have more success against him and um, flaring out his elbow less and pulling the ball with the inside pitches. Strasburg likes to clog up hitters with. It paid off. Ploiecki had a single, and I'm pretty sure he walked as well. Ploiecki's, I, I saw his single, and it was a rip up the middle. I mean, if he had any lift on it, I mean, it would have been like Cespedes' home run. It was a, it was a seed. It honestly was. It was a great shot. Yeah. But you know what? Do you think um, the the, the uh, decision was, uh, I mean, did you hear it was based on that? Because I'm wondering if DeGrom and Plucky yes. have a uh, chemistry. Look, that could play into factor too, but from what I heard from uh, the guys on SNY and mm-hmm. Howie Rose on the radio is that it was strictly because of Plowecki, um hitting against Strasburg. Okay. He thought Ploiecki would have more success. All right. Um, but I'm sure the, the DeGrom factor could have played into that as well. Uh, another lineup, the bottom part of the lineup, Ploiecki in favor of Darno. How about Jose Reyes starting it short today in favor of Ahmed Rosario, who quite frankly, Rosario's been really sharp with the bat. You know, yesterday against the Phillies, two for three, had two RBIs. He had that triple in the sixth inning yesterday. And he didn't get the start today against Strasburg. Uh, I don't know why. I wish he did because he was hot yesterday. Continue playing the hot guy. Yeah. Um, even though I know you have to give the veteran some playing time, this, that, and everything else. But there could have been a chance where if Rosario was struggling, especially against Strasburg, be like, you know, we're going to have to change, put, just swap. You know, see, you, you want, he's young, so he he should be exposed to these guys, especially in a park like that, um, especially coming off a hot day yesterday. So I agree and disagree in some ways because you have to play Reyes because he's a vet. 
but at the same time, you should also play the young guy that's hot. So what I was um, told today was that the reason why Reyes was playing was because of the number of bats that he's had against Strasburg so far. Mm. I think he's had like 32 at bats or, you know, where uh, Rosario hasn't had that many. And um, so I think Reyes is like 8 for 32 or, you know, just he has like a, he knows Strasburg's repertoire, so he, mm-hmm. he's more comfortable with him. I agree with you, though. I, I would, um, James, I agree with you. I, I would would have rather seen Rosario in just because he, he was hot yesterday. Uh, yeah, comes off a you know big triple, and um, I would have rather seen the young kid play, but I think Callaway's reasoning was um, Reyes has a history with yeah. Strasburg. Yeah. And, yeah, he's hit Strasburg well. Um, Rosario, just 22 years of age, the same age as me and James, just for the record. Um, so far, two plus five throughout his here. season... <laughs> He's 5 for 15, no home runs, but 5 RBIs. He's hitting 333. And, you know, my one concern with not playing him today is this. As we brought up, the Mets, they were already off last Friday. Then they were off again on Monday due to the snow out. And I'm pretty sure there's an off day tomorrow. And there's a good chance they get snowed out on Saturday if the snow hits D.C. So, realistically, veteran guys are able to adapt to not playing every day. If there's a lot of off days and stuff, my concern is the younger guys, which is why I do see Callaway's reasoning for starting Reyes. But at the same time, you know, younger guys like Nimmo, Rosario, when you have these sporadic off days, it kind of gets you a little bit because you just want to get going. You don't want to get out of your rhythm. The more veteran guys are more adept and they're more able to, uh, you know, adapt to the weather, I think, and not playing on this certain day, whereas it may affect the younger guy who's more used to playing every day, which is, you know, it could be a sign of concern for these Mets. But as of right now, through six games, you've won five. doesn't really strike a fear at all. No, I think they're in, in decent shape now. They need to get one of these next two. Uh, we have Mats Saturday, Harvey Sunday. Yeah. Uh, what is it? I think it's Mats versus Gio Gonzalez Gio, tomorrow, and then yep. Harvey versus Tanner Rourke. Rourke. Yep, they'll, they'll get one of these. Great matchup. Too. Great matchups, by the way. Uh, any final thoughts on the Mets before we transition to the Yanks? Stay healthy, boys. Stay healthy. Bullpen just needs to come out strong, like they did. Yeah, Familias look sharp so far as well. Now moving on to the Yankees, they won yesterday, four to two, or. I'm sorry. They did not win yesterday 4-2. They are 4-2 on the season. (laughs) And the Yankees, they split the opening series of the season against the Toronto Blue Jays, that four-game set, and they lost on Easter Sunday. But they started this series against Tampa Bay really strong. Yes, Tommy, you're dying to say something here. Well, Mr. Boone made some questionable decisions in that Toronto series. Let's hear it. Uh, I think did, I know what you're going to say, too. He decided to yeah. wash, uh, walk Donaldson to load the bases to pitch to Justin Smoke, and that didn't work out. I mean, so yeah, is it – I mean, it, was it bad – was that bad managing or Look, just bad luck? I don't know. It's – uh, I'm just telling you. Alarming. 
but it's alarming, and it's early in the season. He's a brand new manager; he's never managed on any level before. Um, James, did, did you see or did you hear about that? I didn't see. Um, I didn't or, see it either. Or hear but, about it. Yeah. This is the first time I'm hearing about it, but I'm not surprised considering he's a new manager right. and not managed before. Obviously, rookies are going to make mistakes, but that's a pretty big mistake to load the bases. To look, you and, know, and Justin Smoke is was off to a hot start. He was the hottest hitter in the Toronto lineup. So he he made a mistake there. I mean, every manager is going to make a mistake, but since this guy is basically filling in, not filling in, um, after Joe Girardi, who you know he didn't have a losing season, yeah. who probably wouldn't have made that mistake. He just Joe Girardi wasn't the type of manager that uh, agreed with. Uh, Brian Cashman, as far as you know, they didn't think alike towards the end. I don't think so. Now Boone is the manager that Cashman wants, so I think Cashman's going to manipulate Boone in a lot of ways. Yeah, I he really, could. Think, I really think yeah. he's going to. We'll see. Look, well, it's a guessing game so far. I mean, the Yanks are only six games in as well. Um, but, but what I'm saying is, Boone is not going to make a difference with the Yankees. I don't think he can. He can only hurt the Yankees. I don't think he's going to help the Yankees because you just plug that lineup in, you're going to be fine. He's going to hurt the Yankees when it comes to pitching decisions. Agreed. He really is. I, I mean, based on the first weekend. Look, I, I think top to bottom, there's really no weaknesses in the Yankees lineup, if you ask me. No, like, none, no. No, none that stand out to you. I'm sure there is somewhere down the line. But realistically, one of the transactions that's taken place for the Yankees this season so far Remember they claimed Clay Thompson's brother Trace off of waivers two two days ago? Well, now he's gone. Trace Thompson has been claimed off waivers now by the Oakland Athletics. So the Yankees have lost Clay Thompson's brother Trace. <laughs> Already. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was out of the options. The Yankees had to place him on waivers. So basically well, they had no room for him on the roster, Oakland just pounced on the 27-year-old. So Good luck to him with the athletics. Now back to the Yankees. Didi Gregorius. I don't care what anybody says. He is the most underrated player in Major League Baseball. Four for four yesterday. Two home runs. Excuse me. This is on Tuesday. That is. Two home runs. Four for four. Eight runs batted in. In an 11 to four win against the Tampa Bay Rays. Glad he's on my fantasy team. He's not on mine. I wish he was as well. Wow, he could have had incredible. He could have had three home runs. Isn't he a, hitting out of the five hole right now? Pretty sure. Well, there he's moving back and forth. He, he's, you know what? They should really put him between Stanton and Judge, and then he would rake all year. But he he could have had three home runs that day because I, I was watching a game. He lined out to right field, and it was a line drive that if he just had a little lift on it, yeah. he would have had three. The guy is. A rock solid, awesome player. Absolutely. Now this is this is third or fourth year with the Yankees. Now he came over to the Yanks in 2015. This is third. He started with, and I, th- I think you're right on that. He started with the Reds, and then he played with the D-backs for two years. Mm-hmm. I think he started with the Dodgers. He might have. No. Way back. Well, when? he made his MLB debut with the Cincinnati Reds. Um. There's no. No Dodger thing there? No, nothing on the Dodgers. Uh, you know, he chose to sign with the Reds rather than the Mariners or the Padres originally. Okay. Because the Reds, 
Interesting story. Didi was born in the Netherlands, and the Reds were willing to bring him to the United States, as were San Diego and Seattle planned to start him in the Dominican Summer League, the Venezuelan. So Didi Gregorius now in the States, and he is a major leaguer, very good one for the New York Yankees. And with Didi's 8-RBI game yesterday, fun fact, the Yankees are the first franchise in Major League Baseball history to have a player from all eight positions. That's catcher, all three outfield spots, and all four infield spots to have a player with eight RBIs in a game. Wow. Overall? Not this year. All time. All time. I'm like, wait a minute. How many runs have they scored this year? <laughs> Incredible <laughs> numbers. Now, the downside for the Yankees on Wednesday, or on Tuesday, I keep getting my days mixed up here. On Tuesday, the opener in the Bronx, Giancarlo Stanton, 0 for 5, Golden Sombrero, plus 1, 5 strikeouts. Oh. Didn't he get booed that He got game? booed at the end of the game, yeah. I mean, and he said he expected it. Oh, which, of course. Which, you know. Yeah. I mean, if I was him, I would expect it too. But then you're he in New York. Himself. You got to perform. You need exactly. to perform when you're in New York. I mean, five strikeouts. I mean, <sighs> the Golden that, Sombrero. That's is rough. Four plus one. That's rough. Now Tuesday, the Yankees found that way to win eleven of four. When we come back, we are going to talk about the Yankees game yesterday against the Rays, where the big three really came into town. Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, and Gary Sanchez. We'll get to them in just a few moments. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara and James Montefusco. Joining me here in the studio is our special guest of the night. Folks, we just finished up the Mets. And we started talking about the Yankees. Yankees are 4-2. and two. Talked about Didi's 8-RBI game. It's now time to talk about yesterday. As you do know, the Yanks will be playing tonight at 6.35 p.m. out in the Bronx. Now, they beat the Rays yesterday 7-2. to two. And the big three, they call them, that's Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, all hit two-run homers each on Wednesday. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of this moving forward. You're probably right. Stanton's was a bomb. I mean, an absolute seed. I'm sure the uh, Yankee fans that were booing him the night when he struck out five times Turned into cheers. stood up, <laughs> gave him a nice little clap. Yeah. Uh, absolute seed. You know what? That lineup is going to be very hard to handle, and it's going to be like every team. You know, our Mets, You know, we're Met fans here. And every team that people root for, it's it's all about health. If that lineup stays healthy, they are going to be very tough to beat. They, I mean, the three of us could go pitch for them, and they might still be just fine. <laughs> you know, I I mean that that lineup is going to be very very hard to beat. The thing with Sanchez though, he's a catcher. You know, so he might get a little worn down. Right. Um, Judge. And Stanton, they might get some off time with the DH. and uh, I mean, they're going to have to give Sanchez time at DH as well. So that, I don't know, barring injury, the Yankees are going to win 100 games plus. 
easily. Yeah. You know, we talked about this last week. I did say 93, remember? It's on paper. Let me check the book, Tommy. We were here last week, but, um, man, James, these Yankees are looking really good. You know, they all hit home home runs. Their offense is stacked top to bottom. You know, we've seen other guys as well do damage. Brandon Drury's play over at third, Neil Walker at first. And remember, Hicks is on the DL. Greg Bird is on the DL. Jacoby Ellsbury is on the DL. You wouldn't even know with their offensive output. It's, you, it's really incredible. Do you want the guys back? I mean, if you're looking at this lineup, you're not changing anything. Oh. Um, the, the They're just playing great. Uh, I think they all hit home runs to the same side of the park, yeah, I believe, yeah. which is a little surprising because that's not where the wind tunnel goes. Um, but the only problem I see of all, well, mostly Judge and Stanton having, are those strikeouts. Yeah. It's how... Stanton had the five the first game. Okay, fine. He hit. He comes back the second game. But during the season, are we going to see them clump together? Are we going to see Judge and Stanton both striking out three to four times a game where then it becomes a little tighter and a little closer where, say, if the other guys on the, the rest of the offense can't pick up their pieces that – Mm. They're missing, you know, they got two guys on, say if it's late in the game, all they need is one swing of the bat, break the game open kind of thing. Or are we going to see a strikeout and, well, there's a loss? Jane, that's a great point because remember Judge went into that big slump um, in the middle of the season, right? Yeah. And now there's a good chance Stan could do the same thing. And Sanchez wasn't as great as he was when he first came up. Um not last year, the year before, mm-hmm. and then when he came up and lit the world on fire, <laughs> he did. I mean, he was awesome. Yeah. Um, so you're right. I mean, there's a good chance that if, let's just say Judge and Stanton get in that same slump, you're right. They, I mean, they could lose games just based on their run production. Certainly. Yeah. Look, I mean, I don't think they're going to lose many games in this four-game weekend series against oh. the Orioles starting tonight. I mean, no. they come into this game one and five. The Yankees, look, Tanaka looked good Friday. He's going to start against Kashner. Um, the, in, in fact, the Yankees' first four series are all against AL East opponents. Now, they started with Toronto. They had Tampa Bay for two games. And now they have, um, yes, I did predict 93 wins. Tommy Mack point to the paper there. Now they have the Orioles, four games set. And then they have the Red Sox. Which that should be an interesting series. The Red Sox are five and one coming into today, and the Yankees and Red Sox. I think this is going to be an ongoing battle all season long. Really speaks volumes to how competitive this division can be this year. That'd be awesome if it is because they are the the Red Sox are the uh, defending AL East champs. So, which a I, lot of people forget. Exactly. Yeah, and I think it would be great for the Yankees and Red Sox to get that rivalry back. You know, and um, that addition of J.D. Martinez at the end of, uh, well, not the end of the free agent signing, but the end of, uh, you know, at the beginning of spring training was a great signing for them. Because mm-hmm. that guy's a masher. He mean, yeah. he can he can hit. I, I hope the Yankees and Red Sox are going at it from beginning to end. Yeah, You could see both teams running that division easily. Oh, yeah. Bouncing back and forth between first and second. I mean, that's what you want to see instead of one team running the division. Um, but right now, I don't see who's running the. I mean, they're both playing well. But who? What? 
who's going to have to go through who to make it to further deeper in the season? James, you got to laugh at me, but I uh, last week Tommy and I made some predictions, and uh, and as well as well as Mark did. I have the Red Sox out of the playoffs. I have Toronto yeah. making the wild card. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah, Tommy. I think uh, one one week in, I think he took two steps back. <laughs> <laughs> it's early, Tommy. I don't. Know, I, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if that's the New York Jet fan you, the the Boston hater men- mentality. Oh, yeah, it's a little Boston. You know, hate, but at least you're not sitting next to Griffin tonight. Griffin. No, Griffin, no, yeah, <laughs> he'd be flaunting. But yeah. it's it's a week. It's. Yeah. What ten game? Not even ten games for everybody. Really impressed me about the Red Sox is that they're five and one. JD Martinez has not hit well. You know this move was made by Martinez late in the off season. I believe it happened possibly right before spring training started, uh, maybe even during spring training, to offset the Yanks signing of Stanton. As of right now, offensively it hasn't. But the Red Sox are five and one. The Yanks are four and two. And the Yanks' motto. From Boone, from the team, the players, the front office, do damage early. Rely on the strong bullpen that they have. Yeah. Guys like Green, you know, uh, Chapman, Dave Robertson. They have a strong bullpen. But Tances has not thrown He's well the one yet. Sign. Uh, so if that guy can snap out of it and regain his form of when he was good, then that, I mean, actually right now. I would take the Met bullpen right now over the Yankee bullpen, besides the closer, because J. Root's familiar. I mean, psh. I'd rather have Chapman over familiar. Oh, me yeah. too. To oh, yeah. But as far as like the total bullpen, as far as how they perform so far, I'll take the Mets. But talent-wise, I think the Yankees have it. And what's incredible is that the Yankees are still scoring so many runs. They're so stacked offensively, and the fact that Giancarlo Stanton has already hit three home runs on the season. Look. He's 5 for 23. He struck out 12 times, and he has a 217 average one week into the season. And that's a guy who has three home runs, six RBIs. He's gotten to the plate a lot. He struck yeah. out nearly half his at bats. Well, that one night's going to kill that, you know? The five strikeouts. Yeah, that's going to yeah. kill that. But I'm just saying, he has not <laughs> more or less hit the ball well. And, you know, you're looking at Aaron Judge as well, 286, eight strikeouts, but he does lead the team in six walks. Uh, you know, he, I mean, he's only five. Judge is six for 21 on the season, so he's hitting just under 300, which is not bad. Uh, first couple games he struggled. Last couple he's hit a lot better, I should say. Um, that bird injury, I think that could come back to bite him a little bit. Yeah. You know, because of first well, baseman yeah. defense. I mean, Neil Walker's not a first baseman. He can, you know, fill in. But he's I not think a first baseman. when Bird comes back, Walker should start at second. Oh yeah. And then this Drury would, goes to third. Drury stays at third, and then Didi at short, and then you're looking. Tyler Austin's on your bench. Tyler Wade is on your bench. Torres is on your bench. Torres is on your bench. That guy's we a good talked player. about the issue of infield insurance during the off season before the move for Drury was made with just Tyler Wade. And right now, you know, it, it's looking really promising. Oh, yeah. And not just that, defensively in the infield, the rotation at least, the top two. Luis Severino has been lights out so far. He's 2-0, and seven strikeouts in each of his first two starts. A 1.38 earned run average. Tanaka looked really good on Friday. But again, he's hit or miss. You don't know. He comes out, he has one gem of a start, and then the next outing, he's out in the second, third inning. 
Yeah. Tanaka's elbow, to me, is a question mark. <laughs> uh, it is. You like talking about this. I'm not lying to you, though. It's like it's hanging on a thread, and it's a pretty thick thread because it's it's still hanging on. But if that if that elbow goes, the Yankees' rotation takes a big big hit. Well, look, eight eight strikeouts in six innings over one start isn't bad, James. I mean, I don't, no. I don't care who you are, but the issue for the Yankees and their rotation will CC stay consistent. I mean, he had a pretty decent first outing. CC did, but Sonny Gray. Jordan Montgomery, do you think those two can provide enough insurance in the back end of their rotation? They may be able to. It all depends. Um, it depends on how the season goes with them. You know, they could have one bad start and it gets all in their head. Um, but it, then that falls in the place with the manager, too. If, right. if he can, Boom. like, if you yeah. have one bad inning, we saw this with Harvey last year. You have one bad inning, it could mess up a whole game, a whole sure. pitching game. Yeah. So if the the manager can say something or just do something when the, everybody's sitting in the dugout right. and just one thing clicks, right. he can walk back out and just fix the whole thing. And see, this is where you miss a guy like Todd Frazier. Because sometimes when you're a manager, you let the players do that. You let the players keep the mood in the clubhouse good overall. And Todd Frazier's a guy who did that for the Yankees when he came over last season. And now he's doing it for the Mets. Yeah. When you have these younger guys like Judge, like Didi, Sanchez, the Yanks are a fairly young team, a lot of people forget. They're very good, and they have a lot of great hitters. But at the same time, with the exception of CeCe, there's really not too many leaders leaders in that lineup. I mean, I'd say Stanton can definitely be one. Uh, Judge be can emerge longer. at some point. Judge is, is a baby. Yeah, you know, so it's. I think if the guys want to step up to the plate, that's the one issue I have with this team, and that's why I could not predict them at triple-digit wins for the season. Which is why I think they win at least ninety-three games, but I don't think they win any more than ninety-eight games. I I don't think they hit a hundred, and I think ninety-three might be a reasonable number if an injury goes down. Like the Yankees already are a pretty injury-filled. Lineup with, I mean, Hicks will be back soon. You don't know about Bird and Ellsbury yet, yeah. but I mean, Tommy, you don't you don't think the Yanks are missing that much with Ellsbury? But no, absolutely not. I think Ellsbury is just money wasting on that bench right now, or on the DL, wherever he may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't, you know, they don't need him, and they they probably tried like hell to get rid of him, you know, during the off season, but no one's going to take that contract. Yeah. But to your point about Todd Frazier. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the Mets signing him in the offseason. I really wasn't based on his average. You know, based just I just didn't think he was that productive of a player. But now watching him through the first week of there the you season. Go. You see, there um, is Todd Frazier fan I'm now. I'm not going to say a <laughs> fan, <laughs> but I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, it's not the yeah. worst thing in the world. It's I, I like his attitude. I like the way he plays. I like the way he, he smiles. I like the way he's into the game. Just and remember the that salt pepper shaker thing. Just remember sure that, that, that is, uh, <laughs> Tommy. Just remember that Red Ellison Brandon Marshall comparison from last off season. The same thing, kind of like here with Todd Frazier, Jay Bruce, Todd Frazier, Adrian Gonzalez. You know. All right. I remember you loving Red Ellison last year. As oh, we're switching sports. No, no, quick. just to, like, just to give me the comparison. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, 
It was it was not a comparison. I, I was just saying an under the radar guy. That, oh, under that, the radar that's, guy. That's okay. more of a comparison. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, the rest of the major leagues. Let's talk about them for a couple minutes. Let's start with the breaking news: Rockies sign outfielder Charlie Blackman to a six-year contract on Wednesday, including two options. A, does he deserve this at 32 years old? B, you know, is he the face of this team moving forward? I mean, he's uh, unquestionably, I don't know if that's a word, but that he's a fantastic player, fantastic ball player. I, I, don't, I don't know. I question this. The length might be a little too long. Yeah. Uh, the money probably isn't. He's probably worth that money, but they're also they also may be considering the atmosphere where he plays, literally mm-hmm. Colorado. Yeah. So, not that they're gonna, um, you know, switch to the American League where he can be a DH, but I think they're actually considering that factor as far as the length of his career can be involved. But yeah, you know what? The two options are they after the six years or? Four and two, two options. I believe it's during. Yeah. Oh my. Goodness. I mean, I. Because that could be a. Uh, I, I'm not. If it's after the six years, and that's a little insane, but right now, that guy is a top six, seven player in the league. Yeah, at the very least, it's going through 2021. So the options are. Oh, during that. During. During that six. Yeah. Okay. So that's not terrible. Either. Six year, hundred six million. Yeah. Now. Other moves, we're going to spend a few minutes here on the National League West. We talked about Blackman. For Let's transition over to the San Francisco Giants. Evan Longoria has been really struggling at third base. You know, one of the, si- the signings the Giants trying to make, and Pablo Sandoval, big panda, on-, on the bench to start the season. He fills in as Longoria sees the bench, and big panda hits a home run. So... <laughs> The San Francisco Giants struggling, but Big Panda, I shouldn't say struggling. I believe the Giants are 3-3 three and three at the moment, but the Dodgers are the team that's really struggling. 2-5, and five. I know it's early, but do you think not having Justin Turner in the lineup gets to their heads a little bit? You know, a guy like him, the co-NLCS MVP last year, do you think missing a guy, a former Met like Turner, is affecting their offense. I think it does. If he was the leader of his, if the offense last season, he's the leader. You assume right now of the beginning of a new season. Um, either that's either the team can't find anything to rally them up. Yeah. Or if it's just because he was the spark of that lineup and mm-hmm. every like he was on base and then got everybody going. Um, it could have a big impact um but right now it is early where the dodgers can probably once he gets back and maybe make some other moves and pieces in put in the puzzle mm-hmm. i think i you could see them probably sitting yeah decently up i think uh one of the dodgers problems so far is the closer jansen yeah he's Kenny had an jansen. awful start yeah. two times in a row he's blown saves and in ugly fashion. So, Very inconsistent. I mean, he's regarded as one of the top relievers in all of baseball. He's just been brutal to start. You would think that's not going to last. You would think he's going to snap out of it and regain his form. But you never know. I mean, relievers aren't you know, guaranteed to do anything. So 
I don't know. I think that's a big part of the problem. Well, I'm pretty sure he's already blown one save. His ERA is through the roof. I thought it was two. I mean, maybe just one, but I thought it was two. Yeah, you might be right on that, actually. He's made two appearances, so... I think he blew them both. Yeah. But the NL West has really been struggling. Not the Diamondbacks, though. Arizona has played really well, and there's one guy that I want to bring up. His name is Pat Corbin. And you may ask, who's Pat Corbin? Well, he currently leads the major leagues with 20 strikeouts. So he has been lights out for Arizona, and I'm pretty sure they lead the division right now. I believe they're 5-1, and one, I want to say, the, the, the D-backs. So they currently lead the NL West, and talking about those MLB standings. And, Tommy, moments ago you were talking about Jensen and bullpens. Yes, that is confirmed. The Diamondbacks are 5-1. and one. Teams have been abusing their bullpens lately. Would you like to talk a little bit about that? You know what? I think it's too early to abuse your bullpen. I mean, it's yeah. I know managers want to get their wins and they want to get them as quick as they can because right. you don't really want to give up a game. But you really need to think long term about your team, especially if your team is one that is considered to be one of the teams that's going to be there at the end. Yeah. I mean, if you're the uh, Florida Marlins, you can blow out your bullpen every night of the week yeah, because they're sure not going can. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're the Red Sox, Yankees, you know, Nationals. Uh, you know any of the big teams? Hopefully the Mets. You don't. You don't want to. You don't want to blow them out. And overuse will come back to bite you. And that's where starting pitching really comes into play. You know, having a guy like Pat Corbin on the D-backs. Great start to his season. Cole Hamels second in the major leagues in strikeouts with 18. And Cole Hamels now starting for the Texas Rangers. He's been pretty good. Um, you know, the, the lefty. I, I've always liked Cole Hamill. Obviously not when he was on the Phillies, but um, <laughs> he's always been a good pitcher. He's been a good number one, number two guy, sometimes number three. But to wrap up the Major League Baseball stuff here, um, there was one game that really impressed me. The Angels game against the Indians. A legit playoff contending team in the American League Central and if you're the Angels, you take two out of three against the Cleveland Indians. The one in 13 innings, and I'm going to pronounce his name, Shohei Otani. Yeah. The homer off, not a nobody, Corey Kluber. Right. That was the one that impressed me. Not the first one that he hit. The second one off Kluber. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I watched a little um, of Otani on the MLB Network. I saw him pitch. I saw him hit. He reminded me of Ichiro. A little uh, bit. As yeah. a batter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the way he pitches, that guy brings it. Yeah. He, I mean, I only saw him he really pitch does. maybe like He's two innings. incredible. But he brings it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's, if uh, other teams start pitching him differently if he's ever batting. Yeah. Because if he's hitting a home run against Kluber, God knows what he could also hit against anybody else. Yeah, and he's really been incredible uh home run in the last two games and that 13 inning game i was talking about where the angels beat the indians the home run by zach cozart to lift the angels three to two over the indians to win the series a good start for the angels this season against a quality team in the cleveland indians all right guys we're gonna step aside for another quick break and when we come back it is team of the week time who is your team of the week 
I know who mine is. Tommy, are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Oh, we'll, you know me, Tommy. I want to throw you a curveball. <laughs> You'll be rejoined by us in just a few moments, folks. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara, James Montefusco here, our special guest tonight here in the studio joining us. We are one hour through the show, and you know what that means. It is time for Team of the Week. And before we get to Team of the Week, uh, the second score of the day is final. The Boston Red Sox have defeated the Tampa Bay Rays by a score of 3-2. to two in the bottom of the 12th inning. So the Rays, another tough loss after losing two to the Yankees. So they've lost at least three in a row now. Now let's get to our team of the week, guys. Tommy, you're, you're not throwing us the curveball this week. No, I was thinking about it, and I, were, I really wanted to throw you like a big knuckleball. But can I just tell you what I was thinking of, and then I'll give, give you my team of the week? Sure. I was watching the... Um, Par three contest yesterday at, at the Masters, and Jack Nicholas's uh, grandson hits a hole in one. And I actually watched. I didn't watch the highlight. I actually watched it as it happened. So I wanted to say Team Nicholas because Jack Nicholas is crying. I mean, it was awesome to watch. So that I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it or saw the highlights or whatever. I it saw was the highlight of that. That was fifteen years old. Hits a hole in one with people around TV. I mean, it was just awesome. Yeah. But anyway, my team of the week, and I'm going to go to the NBA here. I'm covering my ears. It's not the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it's not the New York Knicks. Uh. It's the 76ers. They've won 12 straight. And I'm telling you right now, this team is going to be a team to be reckoned with in the playoffs. They are not going down lightly. You know, Embiid, you know, he'll – get his nose fixed or whatever. He'll wear a mask. He'll be fine. And I'm telling you right now, I think the 76ers are going to be a team to be reckoned with in the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's his name? Who, who just got hurt from the Celtics? Uh, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie yeah. Irving. Just He's out. He's done. Yeah, he's done. The Cavaliers are depleted. I mean, they're, I mean, they still have LeBron. Okay, yeah. The 76ers are a young, hungry team. Yeah. That's my team of the week. All right. Uh, James, we'll get to you in just a moment. Yeah, no problem. Unless, uh, my team of the week, the Notre Dame women's basketball team wins the national championship for the second time in school history. They beat UConn in the Final Four matchup in overtime. Arike Ngumbawale hits the game-winning shot in that game, 27 points, lifts Notre Dame to the, to the national championship game. And Ngumbawale does it again. She hits the game-winning shot in the national championship game to beat Mississippi State, like I just said, for Notre Dame's second national championship. Muffet McGraw, incredible coach. Guys, Notre What's Dame, Muffet 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 McGraw. Okay. Okay. She's been the coach at Notre Dame for a long time now, and Notre Dame, fun fact, had more ACL tears this season than losses. Four wow. players wow. tore their ACL for Notre Dame. Notre Dame, 35-3. and three. I mean, and, if that doesn't speak volumes to how the team came together, 
late in the season. They're my team of the week, hands down. It was a, it was a great win by them, especially beating UConn, who now lost twice in the last two years in the final. Um, so you would think they would have came back hungry, but yeah. no, Notre Dame beat them down, and you know what? Didn't beat them down. It was a great last second shot, but you know what, Tom? It went down. It did. And what really impressed me was Notre Dame scored just three points in the second quarter in the national championship game. Just three points. Yeah. And they came back. They won that game. And great to see senior Catherine Westbelt go out with a, with a national championship. But, yes, they are my team of the week. James, let's hear your team of the week. So I'm going to hockey with this. Um, I believe are the, the Golden Knights are the new team in the NHL. Could be. I think they are from Las okay. Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, they clinched a playoff spot within, I believe, their first year of playing. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, for them to be there and able to play, their fans are probably pretty happy. They've won fifty-one games. <laughs> they have won a lot of games this season. At fifty-one, twenty-two, and seven record. So, yeah, Las Vegas and the playoffs, I, uh, yeah, and they actually lead the Pacific Division right now with 109 points. Yeah. Which, uh, quite frankly, that's the third most points in all of the NHL. There's a bunch of teams tied at 110, Mm -hmm. and then you have Nashville leading the pack. It's just incredible. They're tied for the most wins in all of the NHL, Las Vegas. So yeah, it's crazy. Definitely a good pick there, I'd say. All Absolutely. three good, great, great picks. <laughs> James threw us the curveball there tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Now um, let's wrap up baseball as we hit the top of the hour before we got the chance to wrap up our final closing thoughts. The Mets win today. Red Sox win. Hanley Ramirez, a walk-off RBI single. That lifts the Red Sox over the Rays in the bottom of the 12th inning. And one thing i got to get to, Adam Wainwright returns tonight for the Cardinals. He probably would have started opening day against the Mets Mm -hmm. if he was ready. But he will start tonight against Robbie Ray of the Diamondbacks. Wainwright at 36 years old against 5-1 D-backs team. Great game. That's one of my two key games tonight, the other being the Cubs and the Brewers. I was watching uh, MLB Network before I left, and John Smoltz was on, and he was talking about Wainwright. And for John Smoltz to love a player like Adam Wainwright, uh, he was he couldn't speak more highly yeah. of, a, of a player, let alone pitcher. So to me that speaks volumes. And Tom, as Met fans and James, that curveball of his that oh boy. froze Beltran haunts me still. Yeah. So I have nothing but respect for that. To guy. this day. Oh, yeah. Probably still wants Beltran. Oh, geez, frozen. Um. Yeah, Tom, you really got me off track of that one. Go, going back at least ten years. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. Some things you don't forget, that Tommy. Some uh, things you don't forget. Unfortunately, some things you do not forget. Now. Um. My final thought on baseball: a great first week. Uh, Mets and Yankees keep the train on the tracks, you know, looking good. All right, transitioning to college basketball. Now, we just talked about my team of the week, the Notre Dame women's basketball team winning the national championship, and we're actually going to start with 
Women's March Madness. We're going to talk about the Final Four and what happened. Notre Dame defeated Mississippi State in the national championship game 61-58. to And like I alluded to, Notre Dame, they scored just three points all of the second quarter in the national championship game. Mississippi State, a young lady, uh, McCowan, at six feet seven inches tall. Jeez, wow. Really, and Notre, Notre Dame, their center, Jessica Shepard, she's 6'2", and she was the undersized for a, a woman in that wow. game. Wow. Going against, yeah, going against a monster. I mean, that's just incredible in itself, but McCowan fouled out late in the game, and Jessica Shepard actually led the Irish with 19 points, a transfer from Nebraska. Big girl, if you look her up, and... Shepard didn't even know she was going to be eligible to play this season until the exhibition games because she was a transfer from Nebraska. She's a junior, so just completed her junior season. But um, she was incredible. Uh, Agumba Wale is just clutch. She has ice in her veins. Uh, man, she she might be the mamba of women's basketball oh, yeah. right now. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, looking at Gino Oriema's face. The, Yukon oh. women's basketball, probably the most successful program in sports right now. I would say you're right. Has not won the national championship two years in a row. And look. He might get fired. <laughs> <laughs> Gina Oriema and Muffet McGraw have gone at it for a while now. It has been a legacy of a rivalry. And, you know, all the former UConn players were there. Steph Dolson, Brianna Stewart, Kobe Bryant was even there. It was all set up for UConn to win. Notre Dame's up by five in the closing seconds of the game. UConn comes back and ties it, sends it to overtime. And at that point, I'm thinking, all right, this is over. You know, Notre, Notre Dame's point guard, Michaela Mabry, is not shooting the ball well. I mean, Jackie Young, the sophomore, had 32 points and 11 rebounds. Short girl in that game. Incredible stats. But Notre Dame found the way, getting a Goomba Wale the ball, a little isolation play in overtime, and she just knocks down the shot. She drills it. I mean, she was incredible. James, what are your thoughts on Notre Dame beating UConn in that Final Four matchup? I give Notre Dame a lot of credit. Um, I mean, for UConn to come back to the championship game where they lost, and they they're like, all right, we got this, you know. Obviously, what Tom said, they had almost everybody there. And then lose it within going into overtime. Yeah. There was there was probably some miscues within teammates on the floor, being like, oh, who's covering who? I'm sure that probably played a factor. I'm That's sh- good coaching. Yeah. You know, I'm getting sure, that girl open like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that there was probably some plays that were run that nobody saw, nobody was expecting. Um. But I give Notre Dame hats off for them to come in where what Tom said sound like UConn had it in the bag right. for them to have that big upset. Um, maybe UConn's going into a transition phase. I'll, I'll tell you, I give Notre Dame a bunch of credit yeah. because after UConn lost last year, you know, and they were expected to win again this year, so Notre Dame's playing with house money. They have nothing to lose, so they could play as – you know, loose as they want. They don't, there's no pressure on them. There wasn't any win. pressure on them. They should yeah. not have made it to the national championship game, quite right. frankly, with all the injuries they had this season. Brianna Turner out, all the other players right. out. So once they got there, 
They can play as loose as they want. They have nothing to lose. They beat two teams in the Final Four. That combined for one loss the entire season. UConn was undefeated. Mississippi State only lost one game. Yeah. And you're facing a girl that's six feet seven in the national championship game in Tiara McCowan, eighteen points, seventeen rebounds in the national title game. The key to Notre Dame winning was getting her to foul out late. Because Notre Dame was getting Mississippi State into foul trouble throughout the entire national championship game. Uh Coach Schaefer's daughter from Mississippi State, Blair Schaefer, had four fouls. Uh, you know, early on in that fourth quarter, she couldn't do much. And Notre Dame just really took it to Mississippi State. Very impressive outing. Um, Victoria Vivians had 21 points, 9 boards for the Bulldogs, but it just wasn't enough. The Fighting Irish, very impressive. Very happy for Muffet McGraw and this team. Well done, Notre Dame. Now, Tommy, your, your squad got a national championship yeah, this year. They did. And <laughs> on that note, you know, I'm going to have to, uh, before we transition into March Madness, we'll do a little... Uh, do a little celebrating for the Irish. As the fight song is playing, the Notre Dame Victory March. <laughs> All right. So on that note, let's kick it to the men's March Madness tournament. I had to, I had to, had to do that. You know, it, 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 it's not so often that the team that you've cheered for as a little kid wins a national championship because the Notre Dame men's team didn't even make the tournament this year. Did they make the NIT? They did. They were the number one overall seed in the NIT and then lost in the second round to Penn State. Oh, boy. So you know, Sometimes I think teams in the NIT don't want to be there. Yeah. They just bail out. Well, I, I don't think Notre Dame belonged in the NIT this year. I think they belonged as the last team in. With the last team in, the Syracuse Orange proved themselves worthy of that selection, winning three games. Yeah, they did. One of them over the Michigan State Spartans advancing to the round of 16, the Sweet 16, that is before they were eliminated by Duke. They only lost to Duke by four points. They had a great run in this tournament, the Syracuse Orange did. They did, and that was surprising. I didn't, I mean, I'm sure uh, all of our brackets got Boston. blown to pieces. Boston, yeah. gone. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know who, who would have picked that scenario. Yeah. Probably not a Agreed. lot of people. No. no. Who's your Final Four? Do you guys remember offhand? I had Villanova in my Final Four. I had, I, I had Michigan State. North Carolina, and I'm trying to remember the fourth. Boy, I, I had was Bill, it? I, Arizona was the fourth, the team that lost night one to Buffalo. The Buffalo Bulls beat them. I ha- Do you have yours, James? Uh, I just got a few off, and I know I had Villanova, Duke, and I think I had Syracuse in there. I don't remember the fourth one. Well, Syracuse and Duke were in the same bracket. Yeah, so maybe I didn't have So it. that couldn't happen, but... I'm trying to remember from when yeah. I originally made it. So I had uh, Gonzaga, Michigan State. Oh, here it is. Whoop. Tommy has the newspaper with him, folks. <laughs> You're not kidding. I had um, Arizona, Gonzaga, Villanova, Michigan State, with Gonzaga and Michigan State in the final. So you got one right, like me. Fair enough. <laughs> so I should just throw this away is what you're saying? Yeah, basically. All right, as he crumples it up. Wow, three weeks later, Tommy finally rips up the newspaper. That thing was gone three weeks ago, by the way. Just decided to keep it. So Villanova wins its second national championship in three years, beating Michigan 79-62, to their third national championship all time, as the Wolverines lose their second time in five years in the national title game. Now, how did these two teams get here? Well... The Final Four, which started Saturday, Nova shredded Kansas a new one. 
Our other co-host, Greg Vavernick, is lucky he's not here tonight because he's a big Maybe Kansas Jayhawk fan. Maybe that's why he's not here. Maybe that's why he's not here. No, I know why Greg's not here. I know here. why he's not here either. I'm just kidding. Uh, 95-79 was the score. Villanova, in this game, set the record for most threes in an NCAA tournament, Final Four game, and over the course of the season. Uh, v- Villanova, pretty sure they made 18 threes in this game, and they just could not miss from beyond the arc. Whether it was Bridges, DiVincenzo, Galipsi, uh, Brunson, they have so many guys that can shoot. Yeah, I mean, DiVincenzo, this guy, will, not even a starter. Six. Off the bench. Off the bench. Most valuable player, the most outstanding player. He scored the most in the points in a, in a NCAA final championship game. He scored the most points than anyone's ever has as a non-starter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy was insane. But be, beyond his uh, offense, you guys remember the block he had? He got up there. When yeah. he just vertical. jumped, I mean, that's how you block a shot. Yeah. He just jumped straight in the air. I think it was Abdur Rahman arms- or one of their bigs that were going for the dunk, and DiVincenzo just... Straight up. Yeah. And it was the perfect block. And early in the game, this guy, I mean, jeez, I mean, I didn't know he was a uh, right-handed player. Right. Because he went to to the hoop two or three times, you know, crossing over and putting up awesome left-handed layups. I'm like... This he's a great a player. Yeah. Oh my god. He's not a lefty. He's just that good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That was a before great we get to D. Before we get to Divincenzo, let's get to the other game of the Final Four. Michigan beat Loyola Chicago as the Ramblers finished the season thirty-two and six. A historical run for Loyola Chicago. I think they won a lot more than they thought. They won the country over. Yeah. In this NCAA tournament. Very, very impressive run. You know Sister Jean Story, ninety-eight years old, and they had a chance in that game. They had a lead for a little while. Yeah, they had a lead in the second half. Yeah, uh, they just ran out of gas. Yeah, they. Uh, I do, I do agree with um, that. One of the Michigan's players, when they saw her Sister being wheeled out on her wheelchair. Off, he shook her hand and I guess said a few words to her, you know, like thanks or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, which I'll, you don't see a lot of college players doing that. No. So I felt that 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 team knew coming in, Loyola isn't a joke. Right. That they could easily go and propel themselves to the next round, and all the hype with sister and everything else. That seeing one of those players. Kind of gave you a little warm inside. Be like, you know, he yeah. he respected yeah, absolutely that team and obviously sister. Now, you know they had they're a small Jesuit school, middle sized conference. It's not like they come from this powerhouse conference and they were beating these powerhouse conference teams. Um, you know, surviving and advancing was the key throughout the whole tournament for them, but. Michigan pulling away 69-57 sets the stage for the national championship game on Monday night. The star for Villanova, Jalen Brunson, and the star for Michigan, Mo Wagner, go head-to-head at it. And this really, Michigan held a lead in the first half, but once Villanova took the lead, they did not look back. And that was credit to the sixth man off the bench who... 
essentially you basically consider him a starter at this point. And the reason why he didn't start is just there's a lot of guys on that team older than him that uh, are more experienced. But Dante DiVincenzo, 31 points off the bench. Most off the bench, as Tommy said, in an NCAA championship game in history. And there was a meme about a Facebook message that Dante DiVincenzo sent somebody back in 2010. It was a female, actually. (laughs) A female just responded eight years later. I heard about this. What what, what was it? I didn't see it, but what was it? Oh, it was something about a friend saying something about her, and then the girl messaged him back saying, so what was your friend saying about me? This is eight years later. Yeah. Yeah, probably ten years old. I believe he's 19 now. 11. I think he was 10, 10, 11 years old. Dante DiVincenzo, raw and uncut, that is. Uh, He was just incredible. His athleticism, man. Um, really good. You know what? And the the guard you were talking about, uh, Brunson. Brunson, graduating in three years, by the way. I thought he early in that game. I thought he was a little bit of a ball hog. He, yeah. He, he, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, I just I, thought he went after it a little too much. It wasn't passing. Um, so I'm glad DiVincenzo got his got his looks and obviously produced with those. But the guy from uh, Michigan, Wagner. Wagner. Yeah. He, he reminds me of uh, Porzingis a little bit because he can shoot from outside. He's skilled. Yeah. He's he's a skilled player. You know, I'm not sure what his uh, what uh, year he is, but he he's a very skilled player. He's a junior. I I, I was watching He'll this game. He'll be a productive game. pro, I think. Yeah. Now I was watching this game and Wagner. Um, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, his final line. I think he had 15 points in the game, if I'm not mistaken. Sixteen seven. Yeah. And one assist, but I don't know. I I, I think he's player to be reckoned with but he doesn't matter right now it's all about Villanova yeah I real realistically uh I think the deciding factor in this game is that Michigan couldn't hit a three Villanova was just the better team Michigan was three for 23 behind the arc look they held Brunson to just nine points but the issue was they stopped Brunson but Jay Wright DiVincenzo was the next guy up because Michigan defended everybody else well. Yeah, Bridges. D- yeah. DiVincenzo just looked so locked in. Yeah. He was. Couldn't miss. Yeah. It was incredible. I was just watching him and I was like, he is so locked in that, like, even if he gets fouled, he's still making shots. Yeah. And an- another thing that was kind of sad in this game is that senior Dun- Duncan Robinson couldn't score off the bench. He's Michigan's sixth man. He scored no points. He scores six or more points in a game. Michigan's on the field. So, there you go. Michigan wow. goes the way Robinson on, goes. 22 minutes on the floor, no points. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And, you know, it's really incredible. And Jalen Brunson likely entering the 2018 NBA draft. Um, other players in the tournament that declared, redshirt sophomore Malik Newman for Kansas, Dukes Marvin Bagley, Duval, Grayson Allen, all going to the draft. Allen, a senior. DiVincenzo um, should have. I don't know. <laughs> no, I know. I'm He's just coming saying. back. If he went, there was talks about it. He'd probably go top 40, but DiVincenzo's going back to school. He's too right. young. He he hasn't played enough minutes. You know, this is one of those things where you break out like Grayson Allen did a couple of years ago in the title game. It's, you know, I was getting shades of 2013 with Luke Hancock for Louisville. I don't know about you. Hancock, the sixth man for the Cardinals off the bench. Uh, that national championship, unfortunately, is now vacated due to the yeah. um, scandals over at yeah. Louisville. 
But uh, DiVincenzo was really just incredible. I, that That's what came to my mind during that game, and he was running up and down the floor. He was shooting these wild shots. There was a couple of three. I think one three was taken from nearly 30 feet out. Yep. But he was not launching it. He was shooting it. He, yeah. You know, he wasn't like... You know, it wasn't like an end of the uh, quarter or half shot. It was a jump shot. <laughs> now, my final statement here. Jay Wright, Villanova's head coach, one of three coaches with multiple national championships. Can you name the other two? Yes. Yes. John Wooden. Incorrect. Active yeah. coach. Oh, active. Okay. Um, guy from Kansas. Nope. No. Hold on. All right. Go ahead, Jay. You know them. ACC. I have no clue, to be honest with you. Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, uh, and Roy Williams from North Carolina. Well, should have known Coach okay. K. When I said um, Kansas, that's Bill Self now, but I meant, um, all right, I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> you I know, have, I'll coach. give you semi-credit because Roy Williams coached at Kansas and he got one from there, 1988 right? to 2003. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Right, so he was right. the coach at Kansas before he came to North Carolina. Um, but, yeah. And I want to say one one final thing, actually. Credit to John Beeline and his guys. Getting to the national championship game, Michigan probably a team that not many people necessarily looked at as advancing that far. I think a lot of people had them bowing out at the Elite, at the elite Eight, maybe if they were lucky mm-hmm. in the Final Four. And even that's a good run. But to make the national yeah. championship game, that's just incredible. Guys... Great tournament. One shining moment for Villanova and the rest of March Madness. Loyola, Chicago. Great storylines, folks. When we come back, we will transition to the NBA playoff picture. We'll just spend a couple of minutes on that, and then we'll close out the show with the NFL and continue our NFL draft, mock draft preview. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview. That got you to laugh a little bit. you got to do the wobble sometimes. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my co-host, Tommy the Mac McNamara, James Montefusco, our guest here in the studio tonight. Folks, our phone lines are still open for the next 15 minutes. If you'd like to call, you can call in at our call number, 516-299-2030, and take part in our live show. And we had Johnny Montalbano and Brian Marbach, two former hosts of the show, call in last week. And if you're listening on Facebook Live, download the app. Please, I'm sorry, download the app on your phone. WCWP Radio, do that please on your phone so you can tune into our show. All right. So, just to recap what we've discussed, we spent an hour on baseball, did our teams of the week, talked about March Madness. Let's talk about the NBA playoff picture now. This is where it gets enticing. The number four Sixers beat Detroit last night, eliminating them. So the eight teams in the East are set. Mm-hmm. Now it's just seeding. And the Sixers are very impressive. And they really stick out to you, Tommy. They were your team of the week. And they're doing this without Joel Embiid, this 12-game winning streak. And believe it or not, they're tied with Cleveland for the three seed right now at 48-30. and 30. So, I'm, I'm not sure if Cleveland really cares where they're seeded. You know, this 70s, I mean, aren't, now that the eight are set, now they're, they might... The teams might just mess with the last couple games. Shuffle. Just yeah, yeah. just to uh okay, so the Raptors want to play the Bucks or, you know, the Celtics want to play the Wizards or you know, 
teams may like win or lose games on purpose now, right. just just for the seeding part. But the 76ers, I'm telling you, they are a young team, uh, relatively healthy. And B's gonna miss what one playoff game, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't have a rooting interest, but since I like the Sixers from the beginning of the season, as far as just their roster, since the Knicks aren't in it, I'm gonna be pulling for them. Even though I don't like Philadelphia really? in general. Yeah. Really? Wow. Look at yeah. Tommy going out on a limp. I'm going to be pulling for him. I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm just saying I'll be rooting for him. I just well, like their young Fun fact, roster. I have them in the conference finals. You do? Is it on paper? No, it's not. James, what's your thoughts on the Sixers and their incredible journey? They're good. Um, I don't know too much about them, unfortunately, but it may. this may have me uh, watch the Sixers more, considering... Yeah. I mean, you look at the two New York teams. Well, forget that. <laughs> but um, yeah, they they could be that one team that a lot of people don't know. Right. Now, the question is here how the three through eight seeds shake up. And the reason why, Tommy, I have the Sixers potentially going to the conference finals is because breaking news were just in. Um, now, where their co-host, Kyle Russo, actually fed this stat to us. Kyrie Irving's out for the rest of the season. Uh, so what happened was Kyrie Irving had a tension wire that was placed in his knee back in 2015. Remember, he fractured his kneecap in the 2015 NBA Finals when he was with the Cavaliers. That was removed on March 24th due to discomfort. So with that being said, the, the surgery, it's just he's going to be out for four to six months. He's not coming back. Gordon Hayward's coming back. So Boston, virtually for me, can't go past the second round at this point. That's just my opinion. That is a brutal thing for that team to go through. They've had a great season. They're 53-25. and 25. I mean, they've had a great season. And now to have their best player go down for... It's tough. Oh, my Look, God. I don't trust them. I don't trust Toronto as the one against the Sixers. They're hot right now. And when Embiid comes back... It's not about who is the best team throughout the season at this point. Who gets hot at the right time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what March Madness is about. That's what the NFL playoffs are. That's what every sport is about, really. But remember, this is a series. This is not a one-and-done type of thing. This is a series. So my thing is, you know, we're looking at some of these potential first-round matchups here. Toronto and Milwaukee, potentially. Maybe Cleveland versus Miami. I know Kyle Russo wants Miami. Uh, the, the Sixers at the at the four seed. The Sixers might jump to the three seed. So we they really could. don't know. Yeah. So uh, could the Sixers play Indiana in the first round? Uh, it could happen. When's the last time you and I agreed, Tom? The 76ers could be the team to beat in the East. <laughs> we agree on that. <laughs> And you're looking, you're we're, we're looking at each other serious about this. Seriously, this we, is what we is never very about nothing, <laughs> Tommy. At this juncture of the show right now, this juncture of the season, this is a very frightening look to give each other right now. <laughs> Seriously, saying that the Sixers are the team to beat in the East. Yes. They are. Oh my! I, th- I don't know. Where's basketball gone I, the last few years? <laughs> The what Sixers were tanking for years. They get, but, get all these draft faults back. Right. They've tanked at the right time. They've put these draft picks together. You know what? It's, they, they've made well, the right decisions. Yeah. 
you know, where other teams would would tank on purpose and make the wrong decisions. Yeah. They've made the right decisions. They now, have an awesome young team. A potential preview, if the seedings do stand, of the East Coast Conference Finals. Toronto beats Boston 96-78 last night. Uh, Boston really misses Irving. The knee procedures were going well, as we said, but he won't return for the season. Uh, other news in the East, Tyron Lue is back tonight for the Cavaliers after an absence that started on St. Patrick's Day around that time. Tyron Lue is back when the Cavaliers play the Wizards. Uh, Lue is actually correction. Uh, he has been out since March 19th. Yeah. Definitely good news for him. Did you hear the rumors about that, though? That um, it wasn't really an illness, it was just LeBron James, you know, just trying to not yeah. really force him out, but Look, have him take a break and yeah. regroup. Or do you do you think that's look? I wouldn't put it past them, but I don't think that's the case. No, no. LeBron does pick his coaches, though. You know, and yeah, he manipulates. Well, we the know why Dave Blatt like had that. no success in Cleveland as as a coach, I should right. say. So yeah, he was the coach prior to Lou. So, and he's not coaching anywhere now, is he? I don't think so. He no, might so, be overseas or something. But I don't, know. I don't put it past LeBron to to have an influence on that at least. Look, the the Knicks and the Nets are both done. The Nets <laughs> lost to the Sixers Tuesday night, a hundred twenty one to ninety five, a twenty six point mm. blowout. Um, they'll play the Bucks tonight. The Nets, uh, the Knicks play the Heat Friday. They lost to Orlando Tuesday night. Get this score, 97-73. to 73. Oh, God. <laughs> a 24-point blowout. So, guys, not good. No, not good not at all. Not good at all. And I was listening to uh, Boomer and Gio this morning, yeah. and Giannotti is he's dead on right. The Knicks did themselves no service by starting the year off good, you know, or relevant, because they had a decent start to the year. And now all those wins that they've had are going to hurt them when it comes – to the lottery. Well, to yeah. be fair, Kristaps Porzingis was healthy. If, oh yeah. If Kristaps yeah. Porzingis is still healthy, they might be right eight. now. They might be eight or nine right now. They might still be in the playoff conversation. Right. Yeah. But you know what? In the long run, would that have would that help the Knicks? Probably not. They need to be on the bottom of the barrel. Well, I think we both had them sneaking into the playoffs. I think you're right. Yeah, but with Porzingis Wishful out, thinking. no way. No, wait. This mutual thinking, it happens too much. It's not good for the show, James. <laughs> no, no, no um, that's only twice in the last, what, two years? Three years? Let's get to the Western <laughs> Conference now. Uh, one and two are locked. Houston at the one, Golden State at the two. The real question is now seeds three through ten. And what's mind-boggling to me is Utah has jumped from the nine seed to the four seed in a matter of days. And... It's just incredible because, you know, you look at teams like Golden State. There's a big distraction right now with the name changing of the stadium. They're going from the Oracle Arena to the Chase Center prior to the 2019-2020 season. They're obviously not at full health. Um, But they decided that they'll not be changing their team name. So in the front office, try to manage these games and deal with that, which – I think may have played a role in Houston uplifting to the one seed in the West. I mean, that's just my personal take on it. I could be completely wrong, but the Rockets have been extremely impressive. Seeds three through ten. Yes, Tom. I'm saying the injuries that the Warriors have had. Those have been yeah. Thompson and Curry have not been healthy. KD went down for a little bit. Durant. 
Uh, he's back, but you know those injuries don't help. But Golden you know, State's bench is not as good as people think now. They're starting to get figured out a little bit, and the injuries yeah. are you know yeah. really playing its toll. I think the team laying lay in the weeds right now are the Spurs. I, I just because of their coach sitting around four and five. Well, the Spurs took a tough loss. Yeah. They don't care. The other night. Right, when, when it comes to this point of the season, Popovich will make sure his starters are arrested. They're going to be – I'm not going to tell you they're my team to come out of the West, but they're going to give – Which you would do, but you wouldn't say. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. But I'm telling you, they're going to give either the Rockets or the Warriors trouble right. in the playoffs. Absolutely. Not, maybe not beat them, but give them trouble. Tom, you could not have said that any better. Now – my thing is this. The Trailblazers sit at the three seed, and I love Portland heading into the playoffs. They may upset Golden State in the second round. Don't I'd be like surprised. I'd like to see Do that. not be surprised. When you have guys like Damian Lillard who goes out, he balls every night, and he's so underrated, gets no respect from the NBA. Same with C.J. McCollum. You have a quality big in Joseph Nurkic. Quality role players off the bench, Pat Connaughton, Shabazz Napier, Zach Collins, and you know you have guys like a stretch four and Aminu, Evan Turner, Mo yeah. Harkless. They have a lot of guys on that team that can play. I like to see these big teams get get beat. I like to see uh, some new blood yeah. in the in the uh, finals this year. I would. And what about Utah now at the four? Donovan Mitchell, you know. He's been leading this team all year. You know what? Rudy the, Gobert. The Jazz have had... Joe Ingles. They've had a good season. I think at one one time this, this they, year. They time. won like 11 straight or something. Yeah, or they, I think they were that? team they of were, the week. I think I had them as were, team of the week, yeah. They were under 500 guys at one point. Right. Think about they've that for a They've made a huge second. run, actually. Utah well over 500 now. Um, you know, it's not even close at this point. But the way the you, West stacks up... And how about the Thunder? Yeah. Fading a little bit, uh, and do you think maybe Carmelo's influence is hurting their team? I think so. Maybe the ball hog mentality. I'm telling you right now yeah. that the not necessarily Paul George, but um, Carmelo and oh geez, I'm drawing a blank here. What's that guy's name? Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Oh boy, <laughs> two no two ball hogs. Yeah, you're right. Two ball hogs can't share the ball. Well, James, the Thunder are the sixth seed right now, and when you have a couple of ball hogs, you, you remember Carmelo Anthony with, yeah. the, with the Knicks. He was a real cancer to this team. And you're looking at the West right now. Portland is the three seed. And next up, you have Utah at the four, San Antonio at the five, Oklahoma City at the six, Minnesota as the seven, New Orleans as the eight. Denver is 9. Clippers is 10. 4 through 10 is separated by 3 games. like that. In the standings, record-wise. That's great. Yeah. It just shows competition. That, that, that's going to help them now finish the season, but also help them in the playoffs. Because if they if, save one of them, makes the wild card, makes some other makes you know the playoffs mm. it's just going to help them so much their logic of thinking being like we're the three seed now look where we are yeah this may help them continue their run. you know it goes to show you like you can't lose at this point because you could be on the out lo- looking in yeah that's exactly the point you're making there i see that now my concern is this 
Minnesota needs to find a way in. I really am pushing for them to make the playoffs because Jimmy Butler is this close to returning. And if Butler can be ready, Tommy, for round one, look out. I Golden think... State could be going in the first round if they <laughs> stick as the seven. I'm not sure about that. You but... can't predict the Western Conference. It's no. so unpredictable. I mean, you know, Golden uh, State has come out on top the last couple of years for them, but now. I like the Timberwolves. I like uh, Wiggins on that team because, remember, LeBron didn't want him. Remember, he yeah. traded him away. Look, I so, really like Portland. I think they're built for postseason this year. I think they're built for a run. I like the Spurs. The Spurs are always up there. Greg Popovich has that team playing well. I like to see the Thunder fall out. Yeah, I agree. I would. I like this just because of coming Greg up. would not be a fan of that. Sorry, Greg. Uh, speaking of <laughs> playoff basketball, any final thoughts before we transition to NFL? I'm glad the next season's almost over. All right. <laughs> yeah. And will Jeff Hornacek keep his job? I say no chance. I think he might. I don't really? Know. Why? Well, I don't really think it's been him. He's been coaching the team as well as he can. The product, you know, Trey Burke's been playing really well for them. Emmanuel Moutier has yep. been playing really I love when the PA announcer rolls his name like that. <laughs> He's been playing. Ennis Cantor's had a great season. Michael Beasley. A lot of guys have played well. Hornacek. The issue has been getting a quality five to gel together. And I think you really need to look at the team at full strength, full strength with Hornacek at the helm. The only reason why, well, there's a couple of reasons. Why, one, because the Knicks stink this year, mm-hmm. why he might get moved. But the uh, the front office is new now, uh, new. Yeah. And Phil Jackson hired Hornacek. Yeah. So this front office group didn't hire Hornacek. Yeah. So now he's having this horrible year. They might want their own guy. We'll see. We'll see. I think he's going to go. That's going to be an interesting topic to talk about once basketball season ends for sure on our NBA offseason segments. All right, folks, we're going to step aside for one quick final one-minute break. We'll be back in one minute. Don't go anywhere. Stay in your seats. Uh, Hang on tight. Yep. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Bringing it back with Hell's Bells for our final segment of the night. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara, James Montefusco, joining us here in the studio as well tonight. We are broadcasting here from the LIU Post campus in Brookville, New York. Let's get to our final segment, NFL. It's currently the offseason for the NFL. Free agency is coming, well, not gone, but you know, it's we've had the first few rounds in, and we're starting to approach the NFL draft. And speaking of the NFL draft, there's always a lot of prospects. Me and Tommy have had the ongoing debate over the last few weeks, what are the Giants are going to do? Are they going to take a quarterback? Are they not going to take a quarterback? But um, as you folks know, we do broadcast this show here from the LIU Post campus, and three LIU Post football players have been scouted by NFL teams this season. Uh, safety Jared Chester, the five-year player, redshirt senior graduating this year. He's been scouted by some teams. Joe Lacey, uh, All-American, Division II offensive tackle for the LIU Post Pioneers, two-time NE10 championship winner. And lastly, the quarterback, Yanni Gavalis, who I've had the pleasure to interview and speak with on the sidelines at LIU Post football games. And 
I've actually gotten the chance to talk to his parents up at New Hampshire. Gavalis, a four-year transfer from St. Anselm College, came to LIU Post as a nursing student for graduate school this year and started at quarterback. He got the fifth year of eligibility because he was he received the medical red shirt. His I believe it was his sophomore or junior year, and he's been scouted by teams like the 49ers. So incredible. Cavallos had a historic season for LIU Post. He was one shy of breaking the record for most touchdown passes in LIU Post history. That's awesome. You know what, Tom? Um, I don't know much about these kids. 38 that, touchdowns. As, as you do. But to have a local uh, player get their chance, I think it would be great. And I wish these kids nothing but the best of luck. I hope they at least get a fair chance, get a fair look, and I hope they make the best of it. Manhasset kid, Holy Cross High School. So definitely a guy you're pulling for. Now, well, James... Yeah. Speaking of LIU Post, you're yeah. you're graduating this May, and you've been to a couple football. You, you've seen a couple football games, I'm sure. Uh, the fact that a a bunch of Division two players are getting scattered. You know, a lot of Division two players in the NFL, like Tyreek Hill for Kansas City, wide receiver for them. Um, you know, Division two players they they have a shot. You know, one once you get scattered and once you make the NFL, it's an even level playing field. Yeah. Um. Um beyond happy to to even be graduating with a few of them you know in the graduating class um just to then know that they are scouted by the nfl and could possibly be drafted or signed after the draft which that would be pretty cool for the school but also for you know everybody um i also go to class with a whole bunch of football players um so by seeing them it's just it's something good. Great honor. Yeah. Now, transitioning to the NFL, there have been some transactions over the last few days that we should note, and I'm going to throw a curveball here at Tommy. Oh. Quincy Anunua has been tendered a one-year $2.9 million deal, and this enhances the Jets' wide receiving corps and their top four receivers now. Let's look at it. Terrell Pryor, Quincy Anunua, Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse. What like do you think it. about that? I like that. I think they. I think it's pretty good. I mean, there's no. With Josh McCown split. throwing to them. Oh, here we go. Teddy Bridgewater. Here, here we go. Here uh, we is go. it Bridgewater? Is it McCown? Nope. Who do you Who do you think starts be, week one? It's week one. Teddy Bridgewater. Or, they signed Bridgewater to a one year deal. Remember, McCown started last year. He had a good season, but then he got hurt. They'll start McCown, and then once he's fading off, well, they'll put Bridgewater. No. No. Sorry, James. That's all right. What else? Oh, man. No. Tommy's a big guy on Bridgewater. No. He's high I'm on not. Bridgewater. No. Or he's low know. on McCown, I, I should say. I, no. He's I, hiding it. He, he likes Bridgewater starting over no, McCown. No, no, no. I think that the Jets are going to draft a quarterback at three. Rosen. Which I would prefer. <laughs> I, I would like Rosen. I'm not going to lie to you. I or would like Rosen. Lamar Jackson. Well, if you Lamar trade Jackson down. was my dream. But after the trade-up, <laughs> not happening. But I think... Uh, McCown goes in as the starter. Yeah. But I really think there's going to be an open competition. I don't think the rookie that they're going to draft is going to to start. But if Bridgewater is healthy and plays better than McCown in the preseason, I think he'll play. I, I don't think they're giving that job to McCown right off the bat. I really don't think they're going to do well, that. Well, both players are going to have to earn it. Right. Real, yeah. Realistically here. Um, and the Jets overall... 
were they five and eleven last year? Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, what was the Giants though? What, what were the Giants? We were three and thirteen. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, other transactions. The New England Patriots trade wide receiver Brandon Cooks, who actually got hurt in the Super Bowl. Pretty sure he had a concussion in the Super Bowl. Traded to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for the 23rd overall pick. The Rams are expected to sign Cooks long-term. And you're looking at what the Rams have done this offseason. Brandon Cooks on offense to go with Todd Gurley, Jared Goff. Defense now, Marcus Peters, Akib Tlaib, Damakung Sue. I mean, yes, you lost Tremaine Johnson and Alec Ogletree, but... You think they're going for it this year or up. what? I don't... I... I'm thinking so. I mean, this could come back to bite them because they are signing some characters. I mean, Tlaib and Peters, they've had trouble. That lack of could be a Remember that term characters that. he Sue. just used? <laughs> yeah. And Damakung Sue, you know, he didn't have much trouble in, with uh, the Dolphins, but with Detroit, I mean, yeah, he's a menace on the field, but... You know, he hurts the team also with his actions. Um, Brandon Cooks, I don't think he has any character issues, but they're definitely going for it, which I admire. Well, Cooks played with Drew Brees and Tom Brady, two high-quality quarterbacks, so I don't think he'll have an issue in L.A. Uh, Quinn actually stated he was suffocating with the Rams. He is glad to be down in Miami. Mm. Which is interesting because Todd McVay, or Sean McVay, doesn't seem to have that personality where Bill Belichick, I think he has that personality because Amendola had that same similar right. comment going to Miami. McVay clearly stated that Brandon Cooks can succeed in any offense. Yeah, and I agree with him. Yeah, McVay was the mastermind this year for the Rams. Big reason why they went eleven and five and made postseason play. Now, you think this is connected to the potential trade rumors of the Giants' star wideout Odell Beckham Jr.? Um. I didn't start that rumor, obviously. Oh, of course. But, but. I, it was, it's been floated around. What do you think there, You're not Dave? wrong. Do you think? It, it's an interesting conversation to have. Would you trade Odell to the Patriots, though? You, uh, yeah, but the, you, you, you hear that rumors, but then you also hear about Gronk. All right. So, I, I mean, if the Giants see something that they want from the Patriots, I guess go for it. But at the same time, he's your playmaker, Odell. Right. You know, either you give him a con. He wants some. What? What is it? He wants to be the highest paid, paid non-quarterback so in the league. Then give him if he if he wants to prove himself, you give him a one-year deal with Which is a decent amount of money. Franchise tag. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then see what he shows you. And then if he produces like he did. You give him the contract. Well, my thing is this. He had a season-ending injury, so I don't think you can sign him long-term. I think franchising tag, uh, franchise tag is the move for the New York football Giants. You definitely don't want Next to trade year. him. Next yeah. year. Yeah. So he plays out his this final year. year of his rookie contract this year. Franchise then tag. Then next year, yeah. franchise. And then if he performs then, give him the long-term deal. But he, the problem is I don't know if he can wait. He wants it but, now. Yeah. But is he worth that money because do you pay and he's a hothead we know and what Dave Gettleman may do what he did with Josh Norman but no I'm not saying um, Odell I'm talking about the position do you pay a wide receiver quarterback money no no that's the reason not Odell himself not Odell the flamboyant funny guy but I'm just saying Tom 
So you, yeah. you have to either trade him or you, know, you don't no. want to let him go for nothing. The Giants have made moves. They signed William Gay today, a defensive back from the Pittsburgh Steelers, yes, to bolster their secondary even more. The Odell trade rumors are starting to fade a little bit, but there's big high anticipation that the Giants might make a move on draft day, and it's looking more and more likely that they might trade out of that number two spot. So I don't know what you guys thought about that. Um, realistically, it could happen. Now, I, I, I hate to say it, but the Giants might trade out of that number two spot um, and I potentially think, make a trade with another another team. I think if the Browns take Darnold uh, at number one, then I think the Giants are going to trade out. If yeah. if the Browns take Josh yeah. Allen, which is rumored, I think the Giants are going to take Darnold. Uh, the, you know, I think you're on the board as the Giants are taking Barkley at two, right? Barkley, or they might take Nelson. We'll see. Wait, oh, are we doing the updated mark? Well, qu- no, we're not going to do the updated mark tonight because we're almost out of time. Okay. But uh, we'll do that next week. But Quentin Nelson, uh, James, I don't know who you have the Giants taking number two. I think you're thinking Barkley as well. I would like to see Barkley yeah. um, because we need a good running back. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, him and Odell could be a pretty good team. Right. People to hard to defend. Mm-hmm. But I could see them definitely trading down. And my argument, James, to piggyback off of your point there about why the Giants will probably not take a quarterback is because of what the Cleveland Browns are doing. They're making all these trades. They're trading all these quarterbacks away. Cody Kessler was traded. The Sean Kaiser was traded. Yes, they signed Tyrod Taylor, likely to groom a rookie quarterback. Kevin Hogan has now been granted permission to seek trades. So in all likelihood, Sam Darnold's the best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion. I think he goes one. And then the Giants... The only quarterback they really are looking at is Sam Darnold, if you ask me. You know, uh, the Browns hosted Darnold yesterday. They're hosting Rosen today, who the Jets may take. Look, I mean, we'll see what happens um, on draft day. I'm not, again, we'll adjust our top five draft picks next week. We'll have a final thing. Actually, we should probably do that the week before the draft. We're actually having a show draft night. Right, uh, five to seven. So we're gonna get out of here, head home, and then watch the draft at eight 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 at eight o'clock. See if our predictions so, come true. Yeah. A uh, couple final transactions to be of note: former Giants wide receiver Dwayne Harris signed with the Oakland Raiders. So, former return specialist, Chargers signing Geno Smith. He got another job. He got another Somehow. job. He's and then getting paid. talking about the Browns, they sign our. Uh, you know, RG3 was the last quarterback to win a game in Cleveland. Now signed the one-year deal with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I'm glad he got that because he's not like Colin Kaepernick, who you know I have issues with personally. Um, I'm glad he got another shot, and I hope he stays healthy enough to at least be a backup, you know? Right. And Joe Flacco is, hasn't been anything special since his Super Bowl year, so. Yeah. And Denver signs punter Marquette King, three-year, $7 million deal. And the last transaction I'll end the show with, the New England Patriots have signed the Golden Domer, Notre Dame tight end Troy Nicholas, to a one-year deal. Maybe that's going to be Gronk's Who, quite frankly, the Giants wanted to draft Troy Nicholas back. They they were looking at him back when he was at Notre Dame. And speaking of Notre Dame, our topic for next week's show, will Quentin Nelson be a top-five draft pick? All right, guys, any final thoughts? Um. Just on that 
point right there. I think he will be. I don't mean to get ahead of myself, but <laughs> I think he will be. Find out. James? <laughs> Draft day is going to be interesting. I also wanted to take the time to thank both of you, Toms, uh, for having me on tonight. It was oh, a absolutely. lot of fun. Anytime. Um, I enjoyed it. So we'll Thanks for coming what... in, James. Yeah, no absolutely. Yeah. James Montefusco filling in. And we appreciate you having we appreciate having you on the show, and we look forward to maybe having you again somewhere down the line. On behalf of James Montefusco and Tommy the Mac McNamara, I'm Tom Scavetta. Stay tuned next week as we will find out if Quentin Nelson will in fact be a top five draft pick, and discuss more baseball and playoff basketball. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Good night. House. No heroes, villains, one to blame While wilted roses fill the stage And the thrill, the thrill like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit wcwp.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.